My name is Michael Adams. I'm joined today by my co-host, John Rahimi. How's it going, John? So good, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Still kind of recovering. Um, I, recovering. I, I was doing this challenge. I don't know if you guys are all familiar with the Hot Ones wing interview. Ooh, yeah. Sean Evans, he brings these celebrities in, makes them try these insane hot sauces, asks them some crazy questions. Spicy. Yeah, I got the sampler pack of it, I think. Oh, like, really? A couple of days ago um and so it gives you three sauces it gives you like the starter sauce the mid-level sauce and then it gives you the hottest sauce that they do like the last one um the first two i was like oh man uh-huh. this is easy no big deal no big deal the last one i thought someone put a burning coal inside my mouth and stripped all the skin off i was dying i feel like a you know like the cartoons when they like eat something hot like they eat a jalapeno uh-huh. and like the steam comes out their ears yeah I could feel my ears like with steam. It felt like it felt like steam was actually coming out. My ears hurt so bad. So I'm still recovering from it. It was brutal. Jeez. Did you, did you make your own wings? Did you buy wings? I became a grill master, officially a grill master, learned how to make hot wings on the, on the grill, but I dipped the wings in the sauce. So I had some more control. So I didn't just like die every time I touched them. Um, But it was quite the experience. Anyone that wants to challenge me on hot sauce, I'm now up for it because I don't think anything can be as bad as that. I did check. It was 3 million scovels, the last one. That, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds like a lot. Have you ever had the Blazing Wings from Buffalo Wild Wings? No, I'm not tough enough. You've never done Blazing? No, I think... never. I don't like hot oh, sauce. See? Like, I like mild hot Neither sauce. Neither do I, but I, I've done Blazing. I'm a mild guy through and through that's why this challenge was <laughs> asinine of me to think i should do it my stomach literally hurt for 48 hours after i did the challenge oh my god I, we had uh back when i was an ra we did the uh, our floor events and we had we just ordered like thousands of buffalo wild wings on thursdays because it was half off and invite everyone to come we did all the different sauces but uh our good friend adam camp who was my my bathroom mate before you were my bathroom mate he came to the floor event and someone, I don't remember who bet him like 15 bucks to drink a, one of those little black plastic cups that they give you for oh, the, like the sauce cups. Yeah. A little sauce cup, like to drink a full sauce cup of blazing hot sauce from Buffalo Wild Wings. And so he drank the whole thing. I just remember being in my room and hearing him from the other side, just moaning and like laying on the floor crying. He's like, help, help me. I was like, was it worth the 15 bucks? Like, Yes. Broke college kid, do anything yeah, right. for fifteen bucks. <laughs> yeah, so but I tried it. I dipped one wing, like just a little bit of sauce, and I was dying. I can't do anything spicy. Like more than barbecue sauce is spicy for me. So it's better than the people who think ketchup spicy. Those people are crazy. Those people are crazy. I'm sorry. I'm glad that we're both on agreements there because I was really worried that you're gonna be like, you know, actually, ketchup yeah, is pretty. Ketchup. It's it's acidic, you know, gets a little kick in it, it's hurts just... the back of the throat. Oh my god! No, I put ketchup on everything, like dousing yeah. things. All right, do you put? Here's a question: Do you put ketchup on if you had like fried catfish or fried anything? Would no. you put what? Cat, fried catfish? You have on your own. Have its own. If you want tartar sauce, but I don't like tartar sauce personally, so I'm just plain catfish. I want to taste the fish. Well, okay, guys, it's been good. Uh, catchcc.com at Gmail, whatever the email is. This is over. Are you kidding me? It's delicious. John, I think our podcast is not, it's no longer a Catholic podcast. It's more just a like food debate podcast. Yeah, honestly. 
<laughs> what? Oh, I'm not even. I have to process that for a while. You're like Ooh. the 10th person to tell me that they don't like ketchup on fried fish. What is wrong with people? If you make fried fish well enough, if you season it the right way, you don't need ketchup. You just haven't had good fried fish. Come down to the heart of Illinois. What are you talking about? Come get you some good <laughs> fish down here. I go, we went, uh, we'd shop at Costco, Kirkland Fish from Kirklandia. Oh, it's like Kirkland. the best fish there is. It's so good. Right, Isn't that just cod? fish sticks? No, it's like beer battered cod. Oh, beer battered cod. Okay. I like it. I like it. I think Whatever. if you have to, maybe, I don't know. I don't agree with you, but you know, that's perfect segue, John, since we're all about the smooth segues. Because you know, <laughs> we're talking about how food makes us feel. How hot sauce made me feel like I was dying. So smooth. So smooth. Um, no, but this idea of a complaint that I keep hearing from people and that I have also many a times said to uh, Father Chase <laughs> is, man, you know, I just don't feel anything when I pray. You know, I, prayer is dry. It's boring. I just feel like I go there and it feels like any other 20 minutes of my day, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, just hitting on that subject of that idea of what is this dryness of prayer and this frustration and almost looking for a feeling, you know, the hit, mm. the hit song hooked on a feeling. We're going to get sued now for, for singing that. Yeah. Copyright uh, laws. Sorry guys. <laughs> we did not write that song. Clearly. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, I think it's a relatable feeling for just about everyone, um, and one that happens a lot. Where you you show, I was just talking to my my buddy Dan Karanchan, uh, who's a seminarian for Chicago. We were talking about this last night, and <laughs> we were both joking like, "Oh, so you're just describing my life every single day when I show up to pray." And it's like, yeah, I think we all have that time where we show up and we're like, "Why am I not getting anything out of this? Why do I not feel something right now?" Because we have had a beautiful experience in prayer one time that was like, Whoa, what was that? That was, that was amazing. Uh, and then now it's kind of dry and dusty and kind of feel like, all right, how do we uh, get the pistons firing again? Yeah. It's interesting. You bring that up. Um, I've been reading this book recently. It's a recommendation of Mick Best. Um, it's called the fire within read. by Thomas Dubay. Um, it talks about this idea actually of when we have those crazy experiences of prayer. Where it's like, man, mm -hmm. I remember this day in prayer where I was just moved to my core. I was sobbing or I, I could truly like feel God's presence around me. And now mm -hmm. I don't feel that. So therefore, God must not be present when I'm praying. Or like, maybe I'm praying wrong. Um, mm -hmm. He talks about how deep, profound prayer is a gift of God. Yes. Yeah. And it talks about how in those moments where you have these very profound and crazy experiences within prayer, it's not so much that God is more present in those moments. Mm -hmm. It's more of a gift of the experience. It's almost like he described it as like a memory with your father. It's like God, the father like gave you a gift of himself so that you mm -hmm. can have this deep, emotional, physical, beautiful experience of him. So that when it is dry, you can look back and say, no, like I have a father who loves me. It's not that mm -hmm. he's not here right now. It's that he's here in a different way. It's not that it's more beautiful or that your prayer was better or anything like that. It's just more, it's different. Yeah. That reminds me of uh, at the end of, well, almost at the end of John's gospel, uh, right after your boy doubting Thomas, as everyone likes to call him, has just kind of had his experience. Like, whoa, you actually do exist. 
um, and you're back from the dead. John writes, uh, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, which I always have come to like that line a lot because I think for people who may journal when they pray um, or write about kind of the experience they're having to like remember it. And then when they don't do it, like they might like be feeling lazy or just not know what to write or, or whatever the case might be. They don't use their journal. They're like, oh, I'm a bad person. Like I'm, I failed at prayer that day. That wasn't good prayer because I didn't write about it or nothing's there. Um, what I think is being drawn out in this line from the gospel is that those are still worthy things. They're just not written down. Like those aren't the important ones that you like kind of, those like you just kind of said, like those moments to go back to. Um, they're still important and they can still like be integrated into your life and they are being integrated into your life. You might not be attentive to that, but it's still happening. Um, but the ones that are written down, those are those important ones to come back to. It's not like, yeah, you can say not more present or less present, but just those are the ones that God really wants to maybe uh, offer as a gift for you to keep coming to. Yeah, it's interesting too, because I think as humans, we have a way of judging success in our life. You know, we, oh, yeah. for us to be successful, there has to be something like very concrete that we can hold on to. Like, yep. I got a trophy or I got a medal, <laughs> like, therefore I am successful or I got a raise at work. So therefore I am doing a good job. And it's interesting because in prayer, there's no real, there's no materialistic way to like be like, oh, I am great at prayer. Or like I had a successful day of prayer. So kind of that idea of like, how do we actually judge the success of our prayer? I think a lot of times as humans, like we have this idea of it's only a successful day of prayer. If like I am knocked to my knees and like bawling oh, yeah. my eyes out no. and like my heart is moved and I can feel God in my soul and like these physical and emotional experiences, like that's the only way that I know that like I had a great day of prayer. I think it's also dangerous that when you do have some more wilder experiences in prayer and kind of those more profound experiences, it almost makes it feel like anything after that. Well, if I felt like that once, why don't I feel like that all the time? My mm -hmm. prayer must not be as good. Like, I'm not doing what I did. Like, what am I doing wrong now? Like, why don't oh, I yeah. get that feeling? Um, so yeah, I wanted to ask what you thought about that, like that idea of just judging the success. I know that you and I have both struggled with that idea of what is good prayer and how do I know I'm yeah, doing it well? At all. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the image that came to my mind when you were talking was like, if you ever played Mario Party, uh, <laughs> specifically Mario Party 8, there is a map where... Uh, you can buy hotels. I don't know what the map is called, but you can buy hotels and that's kind of like how you get stars. And when you pay enough money into the thing, you like, it gives you a certain number of stars. So you pay like 20, you get two stars. If you pay like over 50, you get three stars. Uh, so kind of like if I give more, if I do it the right way, if I've like kind of made my way around the map and collected money and done all these things right, I will be able to get the stars. And it's kind of like, you get the little reward, like the screen kind of flashes and it's like, you got three stars, you know? So that's kind of like that image of like, there's that tangible like reward, that sensory reward that you get for achieving your, your mission or whatever. But in reality, yeah, like prayer doesn't have that. You can sit there for like 20 minutes or an hour and be like, all right, like the time is up and it's time to get up and leave. And there's no little like, flash of lights or sound that says like you did it good job like no sorry but uh yeah i think for me it's been i remember writing in my journal actually like a couple months ago 
uh, at the top, kind of like after I'd finished my, my time in prayer being like, wow, I like, no, there's no tears, no nothing. Uh, and for those of you who don't know me, I'm a fairly sensitive soul and emotional child. So a lot of tears, a lot of the times, but there was nothing like that in that experience that I had that day. And I just remember like feeling just so full anyway, nothing had happened. There was no like profound thing. It was just a time of, I was reading through a passage in the gospel and just kind of sitting with it and imagining myself there in the scene with Jesus and talking to him and relating what I experienced there and kind of letting him speak to me. Um, but it was just this time of quiet that was, I don't know. It just, I, was like, I didn't need anything. I just really needed to be with him. That was what kind of struck me was that I didn't need a reward or like you did a good job or anything. It was just, I needed to be in the presence of my friend, my Lord and my savior. And that kind of was enough for the day. Like that was my kind of, I don't know, sustenance. No. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Exactly. Um, I think it's an interesting point that you bring up that in that moment where you like had a true experience of God in a different way than you had in the past, but still an experience of God, yeah. it was senseless. You know, it wasn't something that you felt necessarily. It wasn't something that like broke you down in tears and wasn't yeah. this like physical and sensual, like feeling that just right. filled your entire being. Um, and this idea that God is limitless. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think as humans, we have this idea to put him in a box of like, okay, well, if I'm going to experience God, it's going to be through a vision or like, mm. it's going to be through like some sort of like my heart being lit on fire. And I think sometimes yeah. we read about the saints and we like read about these crazy experiences they have and like the stigmata and all these other things it's like, wow, yeah. like they're having these physical reactions to this deep prayer. So for me to experience God, I have to experience him in the physical way to really know I'm experiencing him. It's like, well, God isn't human. So to put him in the, <laughs> put him in the human limitations of how we experience each other, like you and I can experience each other verbally and we can experience each other through like a hug or words of affirmation, all these things. And to, experience, to expect God to be in that same box that we hold each other to is kind of mm-hmm. just silly of us. You know, why would he be yeah, I think- in the same ways that we are? Yeah. And there's, there's something there too. Like we limit him in that way, but also like recognizing that there is something in the way that we interact with each other that shows us a way of kind of how we can see our interaction with God. Like for whatever reason, and I don't know why this is (laughs) something to think on, I guess, but we seem to think that my relationship with God will always be like this perfect uh, steady stream of like, it always looks this way. There's no room for kind of ups or downs, quote unquote. Yeah, we think of it as like a linear function, you know, for all my math geeks. Linear function, straight line, never <laughs> fluctuating, straight to the top. Y equals MX plus B. What does that even mean? Come on, John. That's, See, that was that's grade school algebra. Huge issue. There- no, they were like, oh, here's math. It's a bunch of numbers. And then they start introducing letters and stuff into there. And you're like, okay, you just lost me. But anyway, we, if you've been like in a friendship, which I hope most of you have been, but if you've ever been in a friendship or in a relationship, a dating one, like there are days when it's not like the most emotional high thing in the world. Um, sometimes we try to make it that way and that's not healthy, but we have days where like the other person 
might be going through things. In our case, with this, when it compares to God, we're the one who's going through something. So like God might just want to be there with us and just listen to us. Whereas we think he needs to say something to me right now. Like, no, he wants to just be there with you because how many times have we been in a really hard situation when a friend comes in and is like, oh, you just need to do this, this, and this and your problem be solved. Like we get ticked off at them. It's like, don't tell me how to do that. Like, I don't ask you to fix my life. I just ask you to like share in this with me. The relationship is not always going to be this kind of linear function. It's going to be more kind of like ebb and flow, roller coaster looking thing. What do you call those in math? Like parabolas? Yeah, parabolas. I mean, parabolic function. sort of. Those kind of only know. go up and then they go back down or they go down and then back up. But it's like a bunch of parabolas. Okay, not that. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> cosine a function. It's a cosine function. There you go. Yeah, those things. Yes, endless up and down. <laughs> See, this is why, this is the only reason John wanted the podcast. With Good. Me, so mathematical mind yeah i'm just trying to learn math again but it is interesting because it it does go up and down um and you we have this idea that it should just be easy you know it should just be this constant function like the closer we get to christ like the closer our prayer should be to him and the deeper our prayer should be the more profound it should be and like yes it will deepen Mm. and it will become more beautiful but that experience isn't necessarily a function of that either like the physical experience of him so kind of what I want to go into, yeah. and this kind of takes me to my next point of what the catechism actually says about prayer, which I find is just a really interesting way to describe it. Um, so first it's like really simply, it says prayer is a battle. Um, mm. And then it kind of goes on and a little bit later, it says the spiritual battle of the Christian's new life is inseparable from the battle of prayer. Ooh. I just find it really interesting that the catechism would describe prayer as a battle because I think we're taught that prayer should just be this beautiful, easy, flowing communion between ourselves and God. And like, it should just be this easy experience. And like, we should just want to do it all the time. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, like it is tough. It is going to be tough. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I think the question then comes up is like, what are you battling? Right? Oh, good thing you ask, John. (laughs) Good thing you ask. A perfect segue into the next topic. No, no, no. No. Into the catechism. Oh, good. Prayer is a battle, period. Against whom? Question mark. Against ourselves. And against the wiles of the tempter who does all he can to turn man away from prayer. Therefore, away from union with God. Oof. Powerhouse. Big powerhouse. The catechism. Read it. (laughs) Read it and weep, kids. No, that's super good. Like, it's so easy to just kind of like, I don't know, kind of shift blame uh, either on God or the devil alone to being like, it's God's fault. This prayer is kind of garbage or that the devil's just hitting me so hard and just like being spiritually attacked and woe is me. But it's like, okay, but like, where are you at? You know, look at yourself a little bit. It's like kind of the line uh, that you hear sometimes people say, oh, the grass looks greener over there. Okay. Water your own damn lawn. <laughs> sorry but yeah we need to be attentive to like where are we what is our disposition and our attitude in prayer and like are we fighting against our own kind of like concupiscence right yeah i know what that word means sure (laughs) you know the thing that original sin did oh yes yes thank you thank you disintegrated must have been your accent your thick accent that i can understand accent yes um yeah that's interesting so it's kind of brings me to the next question i had for you of 
how do we get that right disposition? Like what are like things that we do to actually put ourselves in that mindset? Cause I almost come into this idea of like, okay, how do we humble ourselves and how do we prepare ourselves to be in yeah. prayer? Like how do we fight the battle of prayer? Some of the things that come into my mind with like my own personal battle is mm-hmm. one making time as simple yeah. as it is, no, but even true. more so, I think a lot of people that I know who I've talked to in depth about prayer is, man, sometimes you just get so distracted. You know, it's like I had this problem this morning or I had an exam that I did terrible on or uh, my boss just yelled at me. Then I go to pray at night and it's like, man, I still cannot stop thinking about that bad thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Or it's like now that I'm a professional wood whittler, it's like, man, I'm praying. It's (laughs) like, man, what about that project I want to do? Like all I can think about is the little project I want to do. And it's like, okay, how do I like get rid of those? Get rid of them. Stop, stop. I need to actually focus on God. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I think the, the thing that comes to my mind is that like uh, when you say, oh, I have these distractions, because it's actually been experienced the last couple of days, actually. We had a, a party at the end of our spirituality year, kind of a little end of the year bash. But we were driving there, and as we're driving, <laughs> someone who shall remain nameless was wiping his finger along the, the dash of the car and was like, huh. There's a lot of dust on this car. Weren't you guys supposed to clean this like three weeks ago? And we're all like, yeah, we did uh, like pretty thoroughly. And I was getting pretty feisty because I was the one who cleaned the dash like aggressively with Clorox wipes. And he was like, oh, there's still dust here. So you guys clearly didn't clean this. And I was like, okay, listen, pal. Uh, but we had a holy hour right after that and get in there and I'm just like, I'm still ticked off at that guy and just angry and flustered. And I think the temptation becomes like, I shouldn't be mad or I shouldn't like have these feelings. All of these things are distractions and bad. I just need to be in this kind of like, I don't know, blanked out mode where there's, my mind is totally empty and I am totally Zen. It's like, I don't know where this came from, but this is not what prayer looks like. <laughs> Cause uh, when you're sitting with your friend or like with your girlfriend or boyfriend, are you just sitting there? Like not like totally blanked out, like, void of anything i hope not that's kind of weird but we think that's how it should be with god no like i think the invitation and the helpful thing going back to what you said earlier about prayer being a gift is to right god is offering us a gift of himself in prayer but for us for us also to offer a gift of ourselves and all of ourselves so if we have those frustrations or those distractions what's been helpful to me is honestly just stopping and being like I'm really upset right now, or that thing didn't go well. Let me talk to Jesus about that. Let me offer that to him. And then that is, I don't know, it just helps a ton. Like it kind of like releases that kind of burden I'm putting on myself to like push it away. Cause like you think uh, people always say, don't think about an elephant. And what's the first thing you do think about an elephant. So like the quickest way to not get that thing done is by doing it. So if I say, don't think about anything, you're going to think about tons of different things. It's not going to work. So instead offer them to God and give them over to him so that he can kind of enter into those moments with you and be with you like we want him to be. I agree. I think something that's helped me a lot is just acknowledging the feeling and acknowledging yeah. the distraction, no matter what the distraction is being like, okay, I'm having this distraction. I'm going to give it a minute, but I'm not just going to give it a mindless minute of like, Oh, I'm so frustrated. I'm so frustrated. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. Oh, I could just scream right now. It's more like, okay, I'm going to acknowledge one, how I'm feeling or one, like whatever the thought is like, man, this, uh, wood whittling product project is just going to be dope and like acknowledge it but i'm going to offer it to god like yeah 
somehow twisting it and giving of myself to him. And it's kind of the idea of like the friendship of just interacting in life together and experiencing life together. Like we think that God only wants one aspect of us. Like he only wants us in prayer. It's like, no, like he wants the outside world too. Like he wants you at work when you're getting yelled at. He wants you Mm -hmm. when you're failing that exam. Like he doesn't just want you when you're in this perfect Zen mode. Like he wants the nitty gritty. He wants the ugly. He wants the beautiful. He wants all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a, I go back to the kind of Lexio style that we talked about, uh, I think last week, but the way of prayer in which we kind of start to have a conversation, make it conversation, which I know is difficult, right? It's not like an easy thing you just kind of do right on the first try, but try getting into the habit of right acknowledging what you're feeling desiring or thinking making the offering right speaking that to god and then allowing him to respond to you um and that doesn't mean that like it's going to be uh you're not going to have any more thoughts it's going to be this the contemplation just means like kind of again that void state where you're just like i'm receiving everything i am receiving everything but like a new thought might pop up a new insight might pop up that's god speaking to you um so to like be able to receive and then okay, respond to that again and just kind of keep having this, this back and forth. I don't, that doesn't work for everyone um, as easily, but I found that to be very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. I agree there with you, John. Um, yeah, so just closing your remarks here, uh, last little point, we're talking about this idea of being hooked on a feeling, kind of looking for God in prayer almost is kind of like, to me, like that's kind of how this podcast kind of shifted. We had one goal when we started this, but I think it's kind of shifted of where do we find God actually in prayer and like, mm-hmm. what is it like to actually experience him? Um, and I think again, like one of those criteria is, do we feel him? And if we have dry prayer, obviously we don't feel him. Obviously he's yep. absent. So quickly just wanted to hit on what does dryness in prayer actually mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, John? Um, yeah, I think again, going back to how we relate to people, like we might have quote unquote dry interactions where I'm not getting anything out of this or they don't seem to really be in it. Um, the conversation isn't as like fruitful or life-changing as we'd like it to be maybe, but that doesn't mean the person isn't with you in the conversation. Right. Um, so I don't, it's just a, a first little thought that popped in my head, but please tell us what is, what does dryness mean? Oh, my putting the softball up for me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, but I read this a couple uh, months ago and talked to it with a couple of men that I discipled in college of dryness and prayer is not just this big absent void of God. Right. It's actually a very deep experience with God that we just don't really necessarily understand all the time. And kind of going off this idea of like working out, like when you're working out, whether you're a runner, whether you like to lift, whether you like to work out by shoving your face with food, whatever it may be. <laughs> lifting this, this pizza in my mouth. For this example, we'll talk about lifting weights. It's like, say you're lifting like a hundred pounds and you know, when you first start lifting, that's really, really tough. You know, it's like your arms are shaking as you're doing it. Your head hurts, your face is red from holding your breath, all these things. But after about a month and a half or two months of doing that hundred pounds, suddenly you're like, man, this is kind of boring. Like this is easy for me. 
I've gotten stronger. I've gotten better. And so this now this 100-pound weight is no longer enough for me. It doesn't mm-hmm. sustain me. So now I need to up the weight. So now, now I'm going to start lifting 125 pounds. It's like, oh, man, this is really tough again. This hurts. My arms are shaking. My face is red, all these things. Yeah. And so like that in prayer, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that you're just experiencing dryness for no reason. It's actually an invitation to lift more, quote unquote. It's an invitation into deeper prayer. And it's an invitation, oh, yeah. to like a challenge of yourself and like a stretching of your heart as John just motioned at me. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get your <laughs> thoughts on that because that's something that kind of helped me in that mindset. Yeah. Um, I've just like, no, it's a gift of yourself, Michael. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's, uh, I think the reason that the stretching thing came up is that you think about like your muscles are being right. They're being stretched and expanded as you, as you lift weights, like, right. That motion is stretching them, pulling them, tearing them even right. So they can grow for us. It's a, that dryness experience is, yeah, it's an invitation towards like God wants you to grow. He wants your generosity and your, you to stretch your heart more for him because he's already given you his entire self in prayer. God doesn't hide anything. Right. He's not, he's not like, sorry, you don't get to have all of me. Like you only get a little bit because you're not good enough yet. Um, that's not how this works, right? He's always offering his entire self. He's offering his entire self in the son, Jesus. Um, but now he's asking us to do the same, but we're human and weak and fallen. So we have a hard time giving all of ourselves. but that's what he wants regardless. So he's going to keep, inviting us to do this so don't get complacent he invites this period of dryness such that we okay let me offer more of myself so i know we talked at the beginning like it's not about like you know the more i do but like you do need to give more of yourself um and the way also be receptive to more of god so it's kind of a both and like i need to give more of myself to him but also stretch myself such that i can allow god to enter in more deeply um so i need to have like that receptive kind of marian heart one that receives everything from the father and then gives everything back. Exactly. And um, something that I was kind of challenged on a couple of years ago was, you know, our entire lives we spend in schooling, you know, we're, we're always constantly learning. We're learning new methods. We're challenging our minds each and every day. It's like, imagine being 23 right now and still doing the homework of a kindergartner. I still do. Well, you maybe, but I'm just saying like, like, our entire life, like it's a continual progress. Like every single day at school, like you're challenged to learn more every day at work. Like you're challenged to like learn a new skill, X, Y, Z, like develop something new in yourself. And on the flip side, how many of us growing up pray one singular way for our entire life. There's no development. It's just, Oh, this is how I was taught to pray. And like, therefore that's all I know how to do. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea, yeah, like I, just challenging yourself to learn new methods, to try new things and see what sticks. Yeah, it's, I don't know where it is because I don't prepare things, but St. Paul talks about athletes, right? Like every athlete trains. So kind of with that lifting example, like, yeah, okay. Like it, to reach quote unquote perfection, like Michael Jordan, you, know, you guys watched the last dance that was out on ESPN these last few weeks, like we see like the dedication and the work that went into things to achieve like the best player, right? He's, he's the best. I'm sorry. LeBron fans, Kobe fans. Not a, de- it's not a debate. Michael Jordan's the- I'm a Kobe fan. A I'll, I have to so, give it to Michael. Yeah. Michael's the best. So, but he trained, right? He's an athlete. Like he had to work at that. 
So St. Paul in the same kind of vein, like we need to work at this. It's not just like, you don't just get the brain stagnant, but you have to keep growing and keep running the race. So with the school thing, yeah, you need to keep growing and learning more. We can't just remain in this kind of surface level where you think I've gotten enough. This is as far as I'm going to get at like, well, no, like see what God can do. He can surprise you. Yep. Head on right there, John. Yeah, I think that's a good place to stop. I think we just hit literally every single thing that we possibly could have that popped into our mind. So probably, probably another podcast that went a little over our time limit, but is what it is. It is what it is. You know, we like to talk. What yeah. can we say? Good intention. But yeah, for everyone out there, thank you for listening. Um, make sure to email us with any suggestions or comments you have at thecatchcc at gmail.com. Again, as always, we're praying for you. Please pray for us. Yeah. Adios. Au revoir. See you next week. Bye-bye. Sayonara. Bye-bye.